I used to love sitting down with my grandfather telling me stories of old. The older and better days, he used to say. Well, he's no longer here to share those stories, and I wish I'd catalogued them. That's why I felt such an affinity to Tom, a listener from Alabama, now living in Berlin, who started sending us recordings of his memories of growing up. Enjoy this short, true story, read by Tom himself, in this special edition of the show, we're calling Reminiscing with Tom. I believe I mentioned in the past that my uncle had two plow mules. Well, my dad decided to get himself an animal, just to plow a small garden for mom. He heard that his neighbor, about a half mile to a mile down the road, might have a donkey for trade or sale. Now, for those of you who don't know any better, and my father didn't either at the time, There are very distinguishable traits between mules and donkeys. There's not much to know, though. A mule will pull a plow, and a donkey will stand there and watch the mule pull the plow. That is what he thinks his job is. He thinks it over first, and by the time he makes his mind up, it's quitting time. Being that my dad didn't have extra money to purchase this donkey, he took along an electric drill to trade, Dad, me, and Phyllis Fred set out on foot, and with drill in hand, we went to the old farmer. There were some serious dealings that went on, but my dad won out in the end, and we put the rope around the donkey's neck and made our way back home. Finally, Fred looked up and said to Dad, when you traded that drill for the donkey, Thomas, you knew that that drill won't run. My dad shifted that old short stub of a cigar to the other side of his mouth, smiled and said, You know, Fred, this donkey won't run either. And that was his justification for the deal. Halfway home, the sand got awfully hot on my bare feet, so Dad decided to let me ride the rest of the way. I put my foot in his cupped hands for a lift up, but I did a slight jump as he lifted, and I sailed over the animal's back, and Dad caught me just in time by the foot. And there I was, looking at the underside of the donkey. Close call, but we had many as kids. We got the donkey home, fed and watered him for the night, and left him on a long rope to move about and graze. Too long of a rope, I'm afraid. The rope was long enough for the donkey to get into the good portion of Mom's garden patch. And the next day after exploring the damage, Dad moved the rope a little bit further away from Mom's little garden and went on to work. Now, a few hours later, when the housework was done, Mom filled a bucket, I believe, with either water or oats. And in her red shorts, went out to give it to the donkey. Since Mom approached the animal from the rear, he didn't see her until she was a few feet away. He took a look at her, and I guess he saw red shorts, or maybe he was just hungry. He chased her, chasing Mom back to the house, scaring her out of her wits. And all I know is that that donkey was never to be seen again when I came home from school. I don't know why Dad with him. I know we didn't eat him. Besides, the plan wasn't thought out well enough anyways. We didn't even have a plow. (laughs) 
living out in the country and with not enough money to purchase a Christmas tree this one particular year, my dad decided to go out back of the property and cut one of the many trees that covered the countryside for miles. In our area, it was mostly pine trees to choose from. With tools in hand, uh, Dad and I set out on foot, first down into the sand gully, which was our playground as kids. The old sand gully was at least 15 feet deep and ran a few hundred yards away from the house. Uh, To us kids, it was like something out of a John Wayne movie in the Old West. Arriving among a stance of pine trees, my dad picked one out, which stood about six feet tall and looked rather nice. Once we got the tree home and in the stand, we gave it a good drink of water and decorated it. Mighty fine looking tree there, my dad said, with a certain amount of pride and this time without shifting the cigar to the other side of the mouth. I need to explain this cigar thing. Whenever my dad started another sentence or comment, he always moved that remaining piece of cigar to the other side of his mouth. I never asked him why. It was like a period at the end of a sentence or a new paragraph. Let's get back to the uh, fine Christmas tree now. On the third day after setting up the tree, we awoke with a startling discovery. The only thing left of the tree was a stick with branches, and all the needles were gone, lying in a pile below the tree. No one ever told us that our idea wouldn't work. Of course, we never asked either. Being of quick wit, my dad said, There are more out there where that came from. And we set out to sacrifice another innocent piece of nature. As you can guess, this happened again over the whole Christmas school holiday. In all, we decorated, I believe, about four trees. Now, the crux of this story is, on the first day of school after the holiday, we all met up in the classroom. Hey, Tom, how was your Christmas? Did you have a tree? Well, I said, uh, we had four trees. And before I could explain what happened... My buddy turned and shouted to the whole classroom, Tom had four Christmas trees for the holiday. There was so much commotion and excitement in that room, and before I could clear the matter up, the teacher walked in and called us to order. Why didn't I explain at the next break? No way. I was admired for the rest of the week, and now who would want to ruin that? And that's the truth. Sincerely, Tom. Tune in again next time for more Reminiscing with Tom.